I want to get into the habit of journaling because I want to get into the habit of writing more in general. Yeah. Because I just, I just straight up don't write anymore unless it's like, I have this disease where like I don't do something unless it's going to turn into a, not a product, but like content, you know? Yeah. And no, I'm like that too. Like I, yeah. I don't do it unless I get to showcase it, yeah. I guess, which isn't always true, but everything that you do doesn't have to be exhibition. Yeah. And I'm trying to get out of the habit of that. Like I can just have some things that I do for me. And also I had a therapy session uh, this past week where it was kind of a more serious thing that we were d- discussing. And at the end of it, she asked me like if I could stay with the feeling and do some journaling about it and everything. And I hung up the phone and I was just like, fuck that. I'm not <laughs> staying with this at all. Yeah. But I feel like if journaling were more of a habit for me, it would have been easier to stay with it. Cause I would have gone to the journaling for the comfort of the journaling. Yeah. Cause it would be familiar to me. Whereas right now I don't write unless it's, to create content. Yeah. So if I established that as more of a a habit that brings me comfort or a habit that is ritualistic in some way, then it would be easier for me to journal and like process my feelings that way. Yeah. So it could only it could only end up being healthy in the long run, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. It's I've struggled with that as well. The like the idea that stuff has to be content and I, I don't know. I found it's actually, it's more that it validates that it's done for me mm-hmm. rather than wanting to display it. It's like, I, I need to feel that I can or am displaying it because, you know, that just kind of is what shows me that it's over with, but it doesn't necessarily, the response doesn't necessarily matter because I'm done yeah. with it by that point. But yeah, I've often thought about that. Like, is the healthier option to kind of just embrace that and say that's part of how I like to roll here or... Mm-hmm. Because for all intents and purposes, like us doing this show is, is almost analogous to what I would be doing with a journal in some ways. It's a kind of a regular check-in about what we've been thinking about. Even if the topic isn't something I would have specifically written about that day, we'll, we'll usually cover in the course of the recording or just anytime we're talking on the phone, like something I would have probably written about for a paragraph or two. And it's so sometimes I think about it, I'm like, but it's that you know, it's like the sense of like, we're making something, we're putting this out, that kind of deal. Mm-hmm. I'm like, there's nothing unhealthy about that. No. So sometimes I'm like, maybe it's just better to embrace it. And other times I think, no, nah, but it's good to learn how to like turn those mechanisms on without feeling like you need the outside world's approval. Yeah. And honestly, for me, I feel like I go to a lot of things that historically have been used to process my feelings now to avoid my feelings <laughs> yeah that's growth dude uh, <laughs> that's how i look at it so like on my list of uh like i've been using this app that i was telling you about and um on my list of like goals that i want to do more of every day it's like oh, i want to journal more i want to play guitar with no ambition anymore yeah. Like, go back to my all of my creative habits, whatever those used to be, with no creative motivation behind. That's not even the right way to put it, but, like, no ambition that I will be seen for my creativity once the things are done. It's more, it's more along the lines of, like, just get back to art for art's sake. Yeah. And less along the lines of, okay, I'll process my feelings this way, but only because it means that people will then be able to see my feelings. 
yeah. and experience them with me. And so much of my life that has been helpful. I think we've gotten to a part, I've gotten to a point where it's not helpful anymore. Mm. There's a mindfulness there too. That's at the very least, that's important, you know, to mm -hmm. be able to practice that. That's also just a huge value of it. It's like when I pick up a guitar now, like if it's, if it's just me, I can get into those like kind of jam spaces yeah. with myself. I can get into those same jam spaces with other people when we're just like playing together and improvising together. And that's a lot of fun, but it's like, for, for I don't know, for me that, ha that happens in very rare circumstances and I want to be able to just like improvise by myself. When I pick up a guitar now, I just go back to like riffs that are fun to play that I already know and I'm yeah. not necessarily writing a whole lot. So I am picking it up for the fun of playing those riffs, but like I want to play more for the sake of playing mm. and just kind of see the respite in that. And like, it can be an emotional retreat. Yeah. And it, it rarely is that for me anymore. Yeah. I was actually thinking about that the other day. Like, when was the last time that I felt that it was just truly an emotional retreat and mm -hmm. not necessarily something that I enjoyed or something that brought me peace or excitement or whatever, but something that genuinely just in and of itself just brought me that kind of intrinsic happiness. And I couldn't really remember... <laughs> <laughs> the only times I could really think of were like in high school when I got into, <laughs> like I was getting into like my blues phase, yeah. like every kid has, I guess. And um, like I was discovering like Freddie King and like Hendrix and all that guitar nerd shit, but then kind of also like going back through Delta blues stuff and all that. And like, there was such a unique joy in that, that I haven't felt with a lot of other genres or disciplines or phases of my life. Cause I think I was so clearly removed from it like I couldn't possibly have even though I did I couldn't possibly have any actual illusions about being a Delta Blues musician you know you can't yeah, be yeah. me and say I'm going to grow up and be Robert Johnson like that's just not yeah. part of the deal yeah. so there was like this freedom to that because there was almost no pressure no matter how hard I pushed to try to like be really good at that and get like you know knowledgeable about it it's like I'm never going to cross this line so I can do whatever I want. There's no pressure to succeed or fail. And I just like would play for hours along with these records and stuff and just try to like do the stuff they were doing. And like, I don't know, it was exciting. And the other thing was like, I think my life around it hadn't gotten super musical. You know, that was just the place I would go. Like I'd run home from school to go do that. And then it changed to where like, well, now I'm gigging all the time. And when I'm not gigging, I have recording stuff. And then and I'm not doing that. I'm just writing or whatever. And then, so it's like there there weren't enough hours in the day to usually that I was spent that time eating at that point or like sleeping. Yeah. So yeah, I've been thinking lately about like, could I get back to that place by like just sitting down and making myself play along to some of those records again and just living in that until I kind of see what's still there. Mm -hmm. Don't know if it would work, but I've thought about it lately. <laughs> Well, another thing that's kind of on my to-do list, kind of the grand scheme to-do list throughout the year, I would like to record and release a bunch of like very DIY recordings. Because I think a lot of the time what holds me back from playing more is I don't want to give myself more work to do. Yeah. Because I have so many projects that are in various stages of editing and various stages of production 
that I'm like, well, I can't write a new song right now because I haven't released these like 20 that are on the back burner. Yeah. You know, like if I write a new one, oh, it's just giving <laughs> myself more work and I'm just going to take me that much longer to actually finally get to it. There's something about it on, at the root of it where I want to prove to the world that like I can be a, a DIY producer and you wouldn't even know it. Like you'd be like, oh, this was professionally done and blah, blah, yeah. I spent all this time polishing shit up and uh, I don't need to. Like, okay, it's this battle though between most of my favorite recordings ever made <laughs> were done in Burt Janch's kitchen <laughs> <laughs> or like... Yeah. Um, or like you can hear the the warm hum of the tape machine super compressed at the beginning of the track and like you know it's yeah. almost none of my favorite recordings ever were like super polished and just sound like instruments in isolation yeah and I try so hard to create this soundscape but the reason I try that hard is because of how I hear it in my head yeah like it's, it's when you write a song and you hear it in your head and you can like, hear the arrangement that you're going for, you're almost never hearing a tape machine in there yeah. because it's all like pure in your mind, you know? Yeah. So I need to strike a balance between those two things. Like, yes, I want to go for the arrangement that I hear and I want to strive for that. But I also want to acknowledge that like, A, there's no right or wrong way for a song to sound. Mm. Like music has sounded an infinite number of ways for as long as it has been music. Yeah. You know, or recorded music specifically. But B, there's no absolute, like that's probably where my strength is. Finding a balance between arranging things in a more grandiose professional way and the DIY home tape recordings. You know, like my strength is right in that middle ground. Yeah. So... I think that's what I want to try to acknowledge more is like, I don't have to go for it sounding perfect the way that it sounds in my head because that's never going to happen. Yeah. But then what do I do so that the arrangement is there and it sounds just imperfect enough that it has sort of that, that character to it. Yeah. I don't know. The point is, this is a long way to say, I have this perfectionism <laughs> that I try <laughs> to live up to and never do. So it takes me... A really long time to think that something is okay to release. Whereas I'll release demos all day on yeah. Bandcamp, on SoundCloud, whatever. I'll show the, the whole world what I'm working on for demos, but I'll never call them finished products. Yeah. Because I'm afraid to. And there's something at the root of that, but like, that's the whole point. It's like I'm trying to blur that line a little bit more between demo and finished product and just like understand that it's okay for a demo sounding thing to be a finished product if i like the way it sounds why shouldn't it be yeah you know what i mean well do you struggle with the question like i've had some trouble with this sometimes like when you finish a mix that you are either considering a finished product or you're considering to be on the path to being a finished product and just that sort of gut check where you ask yourself like is this genuinely the best I can do? Like, is this the best job that I could have done on this? And you'd never ask yourself that question with a demo, because, like, who gives a shit? And yeah. you don't even really ask yourself necessarily during the writing process, because it's, it's too fluid. Like, there's too many opportunities to ball it up and try it again or whatever. But there's something final about uh, literally a final take or whatever, or a final recording where... I feel like I, I find myself in that trap sometimes where like I'll I'll listen to some of those like my favorite records or like you hear the tape hiss or you hear like a fuck up or whatever. But I try to like remember that like 
this wasn't necessarily a shitty take to them. Like this was the best they could do given that they had like two hours in a studio and that was all the money they had in the world or they had no way of splicing something in. So that was, that was the take they had to use and they were content with it. It's like trying to remember that, that in a way the bar is in a different place because we're working largely from like a digital point of view now. Mm -hmm. So you can make stuff more perfect. So it's almost got to be framed differently in some ways because it's like... Yeah, the best we can do, especially if you have kind of a a mind for the production or the engineering, I think like, or not even just a mind, but if you have an idea about what mm -hmm. it's going to sound like from that point of view, and not just like it's going to have an acoustic guitar and it's going to have a singer, and then we're going to print it. Like, if you like know what it's going to sound like, it sucks because you get that gut check from every every angle. Like, you get it with the words, you get it with the, the chords, you get it with the tones and the mic placement and the compression, and it's like it's really hard to know where to sort of start drawing those lines. The only place that I've f ever found that it works is like that moment you listen to it and you get that kind of warm, like excited feeling. Like you just, that feeling like, you know, you made something. Mm -hmm. That's the Rubicon for me. Like sometimes I cross it and it's okay, but a lot of times I cross it and that's where I start to destroy it or that's where I start to get in my own head or that's where it never gets released or whatever. For me, that's the moment when the arrangement is done, but the mixing isn't necessarily, you know, like it feels complete. But then if I listen to it on something other than headphones, it sounds horrible. Yeah. But I'm, and that's, that's the moment when I start spiraling. That's the moment when I lose it because I'm like, oh fuck, it was perfect two seconds ago. But now on car speakers, it's all I can hear is the bass. Yeah. And, and that's when I start spiraling, but I'm always also going into it with the sort of this is my one shot mentality, which is not healthy. Yeah. And I've never figured out how to get rid of that. Again, like I'll, I'll share demos all day. But so I, I went into a studio to do some recording in like 2011. It didn't go well, but I loved the demoing process. And, and those were like true demos. Like I would never release those. They were so hissy and just like, and not in a good way. But I went. I I took all those songs to a studio. I wasn't a good songwriter at the time, so there wasn't a lot a lot of like meat on the bones for a lot of those songs. Like there wasn't a lot to be working with. Um, but they all sounded good with like dense oohs and ahs behind them, and like there were a lot of arrangements that I was doing for the demos that we didn't have money to pay for the time. Yeah. Um, once we were in the studio, so like. I considered that a failure, and then the next year, I did another batch of DIY recordings at home, but like with better equipment, so it sounded a little bit less hissy. It sounded releasable, you know. Yeah. And then I was like, "This all sounds incredible. Let's bring it to the car." And it was like, "Oh, too much bass." <laughs> yeah. So I basically just high pass filtered everything and yeah. then put it out. You know, like just <laughs> threw all the cares away. Yeah. Didn't care. Was not like trying to be a, a producer or anything back then. This was in 2012. Was just trying to be like, all right, I have this batch of new songs. I want to get it down. I want to release it and then go on to the next thing. And then I did it, you know, and nothing about that felt wrong. It still doesn't feel wrong. Like there was a magic to all that stuff because it was all done in the same burst of energy. Yeah. And that's the best way to do it. But ever since then, 
it's like I was trying to prove something. It's like I was trying to like make up for the what I considered to be the failed recordings from yeah. the year earlier. And then I kind of lost a lot of motivation. I lost a lot of like, I kept being creative at the same rate, but then every, nothing felt finished. Yeah. Right. And then like, I reached a point back in like 2018. I was telling you about this um, on the phone a few weeks ago. I reached a point where like, no take was good enough. Yeah. And I I still have that this is my one shot mentality. If I if this is the the single that I'm releasing it better be good. Yeah. And it's I think it's a lot about like I want people to engage with my art. There's a fear at the core of that which is that if I don't make art for people to engage with then I won't be engaged with. Yeah. That like if I don't create an opportunity for people to know my feelings, then my feelings will never be known. Yeah. Like that shouldn't stop me. That shouldn't have anything to do with production. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because almost none of the music that I enjoy is music that I enjoy for its production <laughs> specifically, yeah. you know? So I don't know. There's just stuff that I have to unlearn. It's hard though. And I think I probably said it when we were talking on the phone about it, but it's really hard if you were solo. Yeah. Cause I had, almost the exact same experience like maybe 10 years eight years ago 10 years ago or something um with this record that i did that was like i have never put less thought into like <laughs> i planned it but there was this period of my life for like a few years where i just wasn't giving a shit i just was like putting out whatever if two months later i decided i didn't like I didn't even listen to the stuff after but I was like if I decided maybe I didn't like the idea of the thing I had done two months ago I just release it again and huh. put it on a new thing and it was just like fucking reckless and when I sort of stopped doing that I was like I think I was just so disoriented by it but also I'd caught a hell of a lot of shit for for that main record that kind of set everything in motion like I, people had been cruel about that thing in certain mm. cases and i it just like really threw off my um my sense of myself really as a creative person like i just didn't have any idea what was good anymore what was bad anymore what trying looked like and for a long time the only thing that saved me was the fact that i had a band who were mm -hmm. kind of like able to reel that shit in because it was like not only were they on it and they had a vested interest in like hey we don't want to throw that takeaway even if you do but right. also like there was that social pressure of like i better get my shit in gear because i don't want to let them down so i definitely stampeded a certain number of times because i get i'd written the songs and it was like that song is abysmal i don't want to put that out but there were a lot of cases where like they kept kind of they kept guardrails up around stuff like that so creatively i was burning alive but like as far as what it was getting put out, it kept stuff in motion until I lost that, like until that band went away. And then I kind of just, yeah, something changed. And it really, mm. it sucks. It's like, <laughs> it's hard to know because that's the same thing. I'll listen to most of my favorite records and like all the early Guided by Voices albums that I love. And I'm like, the drums on one of them was, uh, was just a washing machine. They were just banging on a washing yeah. machine. And it's so cool. It sounds amazing. But I'm yeah. like, if I did that, like I'll preach that album to people from the fucking rooftops, but if I sat down with a washing machine tomorrow and banging on it, I would never like, <laughs> I have done that. Like I've done that out of necessity, but I can only justify it 
the way that they did, like when it was out of necessity, like when I didn't right, have a drum yeah. kit and I was like, well, I better figure it out. Those are always the cool ones. So it's like, I don't know, like where is that necessity versus where am I copping out and have I crossed that Rubicon? Like, have I stopped kind of doing this for pure reasons and now I'm doing this because I'm pleasing an imaginary audience or something? And yeah, I don't know. All of my favorite things that I've done have been the most like, not slapdash, but just I came in, I hit it, and then I left. Mm. And it's not happened a lot, but the only stuff I've done in my life that I'm proud of, I've done that way. How the hell do you bottle that up, you know? <laughs> Sucks. There's also just a real, like, I don't even want to call it pride, but there's, like, I, I did a, a thing where I, for a snare drum, it sounds nothing like a snare drum, but I had like a plastic trash bag full of clothes. Oh yeah, and was like drumming on it for, yeah, <laughs> for a snare drum, and then like a tambourine. Yeah. It was like on the on the on a chair, and then on the arm of the chair, I had a tambourine that I would hit for like the four or whatever. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> but like, if you put enough reverb on it, it sounds good. And <laughs> yeah. it, but it, it's cool. Is why I don't want to use the word pride. Like, it just it it creates a story behind it and sometimes it's a, it's a story that only you know yeah and you're like oh yeah it was fun to kind of macgyver things together to to make that song you know yeah um but yeah one, one problem i've had too is that one of the reasons i don't play much old material is it took me a while to write for myself as a solo act yeah because a lot of the time i'll hear music i'll want to create it but it's like clearly full band music in my head yeah. So, like, first of all, it was a skill that I had to develop to write for myself as a solo folk player. Yeah. Um, and now it's kind of a little bit more natural. I think with a lot of songs, if they're well-written songs to begin with, they can be played solo. Yeah. Like, I look at the ones that I would still play solo, and I'm like, it's either a good, like, a, what I would consider a good pop song or a good folk song. But either way, it doesn't depend on genre. I can still play them alone. Yeah. You know, whereas like a lot of the stuff that I've written and recorded, you know, I stack it with arrangements and stack it with like vocal doubles and stuff like that because it's the only way it's going to sound cool. Yeah. Like if I just, if it was just me and my voice and a guitar, it wouldn't sound like a song at all, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that, that's been a struggle too. It's like, so that being where I came from, I've developed this instinct to stack arrangements high you know yeah and just and really make it dense where it doesn't necessarily need to be yeah so to go back to your question from earlier is this the best that i can do if i use less tracks it would be easier to get to that place where it is the best i can do yeah <laughs> but because i stack arrangements like like i do and make them very dense it ends up being like well that's the best I can do for most of these, but let's revisit the EQ on this mandolin. Yeah. And like, you know, and then that takes all the more longer. Yeah. So that's the kind of thing that I've been trying to reevaluate for the past few weeks is like, how much do I need those arrangements there? I love them. I yeah. love making beautiful arrangements. Um, I think I'm really good at it, but I rarely have the resources and the expertise as just me to take those arrangements and make them shine the way that I want to. Yeah. So then it's like, okay, well, what if I, and this is kind of what I've been toying around with. What if I strike this balance this way where all the stuff that's just like me and my, my like vocal and guitar that can be very simple. Like I can do that myself. 
Yeah. It's simple enough to just do that myself and have it sound, not that DIY sounds a particular way, but like have it sound DIY. Yeah. And I'm fine. I can be fine with that. And then all the stuff where I want to stack arrangements a little bit more and I don't want to spend the time mixing it because I'll be a perfectionist and be really hard on myself. I can send that out. Mm. Yeah. I, I can, out, I can outsource work to other engineers and not put that burden on myself and probably end up in a better place. And the, I'd still get some like fear out of that because as you know, no one hears what you hear in your head. Yeah. And that's always a struggle. So, but even uh, knowing that you have to introduce those kinds of constraints or just knowing that like, it's better when I outsource stuff like this, I think that's just as big as learning how to master like, some aspect of that doubt, you know, tame it and stuff like just. And that's what the whole point is, is to learn how to work within limitations. Yeah. Instead of, you'll never think it's completely done if you have all of those technological resources at your fingertips. Yeah. And you could always do a little bit more with it. Yeah. But to give yourself those limitations to begin with and to learn how to work within constraints like that is yeah. going to make for, for a better product because you only have to fill that expectation. Yeah, because like in the kind of home recording age now, it's it's really a matter, if if you have this issue at all, I think it's a matter of discipline versus just unchecked letting yourself run wild creativity. And mm -hmm. it sucks because like sometimes like, yes, it's worth working on that discipline and knowing where like, oh, I should draw a line here. Like I got to get better at this aspect of the process. But other times like being able to go ham during that stage is the best part. Like you shouldn't be feeling like this has to be super self-aware, you know, like sometimes mm -hmm. I think it's better to just let yourself be the artist about stuff. So there's just as much value. Cause that's what like, like again, when people were doing it on like, you know, when everybody was working on like the task M four tracks and stuff, and you had to mix all your shit down if you wanted a fifth track, like there's sort of a self-imposed gut check there that I think keeps a lot of records from getting shelved. Cause like, if you realize there's a problem, like how many, I think there's a lot of stories of like Beatles albums with stuff like this, but like, if you realize like, oh, the guitar is a little bit too loud on track two, but we've already mixed that down. Like you have to decide, do, is it worth getting rid of tracks one, three, and four so that we can bring the guitar down on track two? Or yeah. am I willing to just chill the fuck out and keep that guitar in the place it is? And like, I think a lot of times that makes you look at it differently. Yeah. Like it makes you look at like, maybe it's not so bad. Maybe it's not perfect, but it forces you to just ask yourself that question in a more realistic way. And then over the course of several albums or singles or a career or whatever, you start to see the average of like, you are not hitting a direct bullseye every single time, but you're hitting pretty close. You're swatting around it. Like you're, mm -hmm. you're expressing yourself genuinely every time and you start to, your audience forgives you if you're earnest and you mean it and they like you. And yeah. I think eventually either you forgive yourself or you learn how to turn that shit down or live with it. And mm -hmm. I think it takes like a little bit more deliberate action now because the temptation is so much stronger to just go into that hell. And once you're in there, it's just disorienting as shit. You don't know where anything is anymore and just got to seal it off sometimes. It is a strong temptation, yeah. And that's really what it is, I think. It's temptation. It's not like this, you know, this big devil digital world. It's like, no, it's just so much of a good thing. Like, you have so much access to so many things at all times. Yeah. Like, 
if you're really excited and creative, and again, if you're really excited about the engineering side or the production side, like, I mean, good God, it's going to be an orgy. Every time you get in there, it's just going to be like, holy shit, I can put all of these plugins on here. And what if I try that? And then at a certain point, you tip over into the like that start to fuse with your doubt and then <laughs> the album never mm -hmm. comes out and mm -hmm. i don't know i think it ends in a dangerous place but it's not necessarily for a bad reason it's just if your goal <laughs> is to finish albums you gotta you know figure out what's going on <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.